this week, as I as I mentioned, the topic of the week, as you can see in the stream, is the factions in the city. Um, okay, good good call, Kashin. Uh, brief recap of last week. Uh, last week we talked about in pretty long length about Osiris. Um, got a little little tangent strong, but we. Uh, we did a pretty good job on staying on topic i'm actually in the process of trying to get some of that stuff cleaned out um yeah the band chat is uh, justin making a point still bouncing around uh in our in our chat room but last week was osiris um like i said i'm still trying to trying to get an audio file for that one there was a bit of background noise on the sides which made it kind of difficult but i'm trying i'm running it through a couple programs actually right also um that being said uh next week we'll talk about that at the end but just a really brief topic next week or the current week is saint 14 and it's already taken off pretty much of course it correlates <laughs> a lot with last week so it's that was a it was actually a nice little jump over but that being said hey and it's a guardian i yeah. said it you heard it here first We'll talk about that. Yeah, you know, the funny, funny thing is we do anything else and all Steam can talk about is Saint-14. We finally have Saint-14 Focus Fire and all Steam can talk about is Osiris. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. We, we should have flipped the topics and just told him last week was Saint-14. This week is <laughs> Osiris. But, okay. All right, so factions. Um, Willie, Justin, which one do you guys want to? Give us what we do know about factions. Okay. Uh, Well, we know that they're in the city. Um, You know that they are part of the... uh, I wanted to say Concordat, and that's completely wrong. Because we're going to get to those guys later, I'm sure. Help me out here, Justin. You go for it. The consensus. Consensus. uh, Yeah. The, faction, the factions actually arose out of the time in the city when it was essentially a big refugee camp. And we know through history that anytime there are refugees, there, there are going to be power struggles trying to control them. Um, there were conflicts called the faction wars that threatened to just rip the, the city in its infant stages apart. And that those were brought under control by unnamed guardians. At which point, a sort of committee was formed called the Consensus, and it was made up of the main factions headed by the Speaker, and uh, it kind of formed a little bit of a governmental structure in the early city days. And most of the factions still remain in the city as it stands right now, and they are Future World Cult, New Monarchy, and Dead Orbit. And I don't know if you want to... uh, Go faction by faction. It's probably the way to do it. Uh, I'll let Steam take it away with his faction of choice. Well, we didn't exactly discuss what order we were going to go in. Do we want to go in the order that we went in in the chat? You know, uh, New Monarchy, Ooh, Dead Order. Then... <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think that would be easiest because that's the way all of my notes lay out too. Alrighty, work. So. Uh, We'll start with New Monarchy then. Um, things we know about them, they are, well, obviously Monarchy is in their name. 
So it's pretty obvious what they want out of their uh, political agenda, which that was another issue we had in the focus fire was everybody started talking politics out of nowhere. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, let's get back to the game politics people. Um, and we know that they have seven tenets, which pretty much rules, you know, how, how they want things to go about, you know, how we want to go about city life. Uh, number one is to secure the walls against the enemy without. Number two is to secure the rights and liberties of every upstanding citizen. Number three is to sponsor the sciences of the city and to salvage the ruins beyond so that the golden age may be reborn. Uh, four is to support the guardian orders by leading city and leading the city in technological innovation. Too many big words. I will not go to why that's too many big words for me, but moving on. Number five, to support the natural harmony of the city and to actively dissuade any group or individual that might disrupt the harmony. Uh, number six is to hold all individuals, compacts, and alliances to the highest standards of productivity as well as right behavior. And the most important one, of course, is number seven. Two, by vote of the consensus, abolish the consensus and transfer ultimate power in order that the rights and liberties of all citizens be secured and the single sovereign of an impeachable character. So that tells us, you know, that's, that's what they want. They want a leader. They don't care. Well, at least we don't know who they would want that leader to be, whether it would be somebody within their faction, if they would rather it be a guardian. Um, we do know that they want there to be one person to go ahead and reign overall and decide what's best for all of us. Um, now, whether that is a, well, of course, it's a, a personal agenda, but whether it's for them to have somebody personally inside, you know, like, uh, like their representative that we see in the tower all the time, which Hideo. I'm, Hideo. Yeah. Executor Hideo. Yeah, Executor Hideo. You know, we uh, we know that. He, I mean, if in terms of politics, his backstory is kind of, <laughs> you know, kiss the babies and uh, free health care for all. That's not it, of course. <laughs> but, you know, he used to gift uh, gift. We don't know exactly what, but I you assume it has to be good to the young and to the old. And that's about where they leave it for him. And that he stopped to doing it once he became who he is today. Um, more than likely for political reasons as well. There are plenty of other things I'm sure these other two gentlemen would like to get in on that we know about pneumonicry as well. Anybody else want to take over? Um, before we do that, just real quick, let's let's go ahead and just touch on the other ones, and then we'll um, roll into the thoughts, what our thoughts are on that, just to kind of keep it all together with facts and opinions. Oh, no way. Still facts. 
they're still faction. Fair enough. I mean, if you, I'm, I'm game to do either. I just know you want it. You want to roll into that because that, that's, yeah. a, that's a dangerous rabbit hole. Yeah, no, that's that's fine. Anything is a dangerous rabbit hole when you involve me. That no, that's that's just why I thought I was uninvited, but you brought me back. So, um, I mean, you know. yeah, I mean, I, I obviously, I'm, I'm a more of a dead orbit supporter, so I will. Well, you want to move on to those evil, evil guys? Oh they all just don't understand us. It's okay. I mean, I, I guess it's not evil to just be a bunch, bunch of goth sulkers. <laughs> pretty much what it is. Um, so we'll go ahead. We'll move on to Dead Orbit real quick to get a uh, brief description of them as well. We'll go ahead and go that route blue, see how that works this week, and go from there. Uh, when it comes to Dead Orbit, I mean, their ghost fragment actually has a bunch of text that I know we are going to argue about. Well, not argue, but we're gonna have to we're gonna have to discuss in a uh, deeper passion, I guess I should say. Um, yeah. So I guess we'll go ahead and we'll we'll switch on over to what they actually stand for, things of that nature. They believe the city is not safe. You know, it's pretty much a giant Venus flytrap as far as they're concerned. Um, you know, it says in their card that the Traveler is not our only salvation. Another future lies out amongst the light of the other stars. And it says that their theology has been developed from a mere fatalism into an obsession with the worlds beyond Earth. Now their focus is building on a star-faring fleet cobbled together from the ashes of our past and the spoils of war. Now, uh, you know, this is pretty much dead, dead orbit. I will give them credit for that. They're they're the only ones that are thinking, hey, you know, if, if something does get in here and we gotta go, let's let's make sure we have a lot of ships so you know we can get as many people out as we can. Um I can't remember what card it is. If Blue wants to go hunting down for it real quick, he can. But okay, there is I'm looking for it right now. It's Iraq Jalal or Jalal. He uh he says that one of the main reasons they haven't left yet is because they pretty much don't want to leave everyone else behind. So, you know, while they they do seem to be the the paranoid, uh, you know, gothic kids just hiding in the corner <laughs> of the freaking hangar, you know, just yeah, praying that they'll get the attacked. Yeah, you know, just, uh, oh, we're all going to die one day. They, they're not actually doing that. They they actually have, it is in the grimoire that they do have ships. They they do send out um, crews to salvage what they can, whether it be Golden Age technology, which is, of course, what they everybody's after. Everybody wants something from the Golden Age, which tells you that that has to be pretty amazing technology um, to, you know, anything that they might be able to get their hands on that's new. You know, if, if it can help them get us ready to get out of the city at a moment's notice, that Orbit wants it. Yeah, and, and I just interject there, though. The the other thing that we kind of, we talked about, and I think actually a couple of people didn't realize was 
even though they're completely obsessed with leaving the city behind, they are not willing to sacrifice the inhabitants of the city, which is why they're actually still in the city, was because they're, I can't I can't find the actual... I think it might have been just a flip text, but he uh, he makes the comment that, you know, the reason why they're still here is because they can't they can't convince everybody to leave and they don't want to sacrifice their city. So even though they know that it's a trap, they are staying because it's their home. Um, and I mean, yeah, the, 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 the thought process behind the dead actually kind of makes sense too, because the other thing that they're one of their tenants is, is that they don't want to be, in one place that's why they're they're kind of opposed to new monarchy in the sense that they're actually arguing for a a dispersed uh leadership whereas new monarchy is arguing centralized leadership if you would and because dead orbit says you know they're 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 theology or no, you could call it tenants are basically we don't want to be in in such a concentrated area that we can be all wiped out and hit and that's why they want to spread into the stars is because that way it's dispersed in the darkness if if the darkness whatever that is whether it's you know saint 14's armada or i think it's the symmetry's just natural thing whatever it is it can't just destroy us all in one one swipe um, which was kind of, I think that's kind of what led us into a couple of the political conversations, but um, <laughs> which it, it, yeah. it's, it's really difficult, you know, just it's not, it's not easy to talk about factions and the consensus without getting into a, a bit of an argument about politics because, you know, obviously people are going to have differing opinions, um, which actually I, I'm impressed with how it went. We didn't really get anybody bent out of shape with it. We had a couple times that we had to pull back, but, you know, a the dead orbit was more of a, I guess you could almost say they're more libertarians than anything because they're <laughs> like, you know, I don't really, I mean, they, they don't really want a central body because they understand that the darkness is powerful enough that it can do a very powerful attack. You know, Rasputin is protecting us for now, but if anything ever surpassed him and they actually managed to make it to the city, that would be it. You know, that that's it. And we know that they're out uh, doing, um, they're doing scouting missions because they're actually, they were actually very heavily involved in the taken King storyline too, on some of that was because they, uh, I can't remember the mission off of my head, but their, their scouts were the ones that found one of the, catalyst that creates one of the missions so and then on an interesting side note the fermi solution that was an interesting nod um to the fermi paradox which is a scientific paradox that basically suppose or posits that you know with the probability of intelligence life existing outside there why have we not run anything and dead orbit's response is because we're not looking for it and we need to go find it. And so that's, that's, it's, it's, a, it was an interesting nod on Bungie's part to that. That's actually an actual scientific paradox. So I thought that was, I thought that had seen a little tidbit. 
It was. Yeah, and oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you uh, no, I was say, it just seems like a you know new monarchy. I don't think you get more centralized than a monarch um, in terms of government. Uh, dead orbit is very much in favor of decentralizing things, and I'll, I'm not speaking governmentally, but I just mean the human race. Um, and uh, spreading us out across the solar system like a giant hand. And uh, they're actually, most of their ethos is, what it brings to mind for me is very heavily awoken. Everything about them. Uh, their first instinct is to run to the stars. The awoken's first instinct was to run to the stars. They're Iraq, um, Jalal, is awoken and uh another weird coincidence the reef is actually in a dead orbit <laughs> out oh, yeah, in I never thought about that the space yeah touche sir touche so yeah oh, i just man. wanted to drop that truth bomb real quick just let it settle and now y'all can move <laughs> on <laughs> now y'all can just think about that for a minute blow your mind and i'll leave for four hours <laughs> I'll go ahead and be the guy no, uh, that gets back to the cards because we're, we're we're supposed to be staying on topic real quick and then getting into our uh, our theories later. Um, yes, yeah, we'll stay away from that for right now. <laughs> trying, I'm so doing my best. You notice I haven't said any bad words yet, so I'm doing really well for me, I think. Um, no. You know, it is it's early though. <laughs> it, it may be bound to happen one day, but try. Um, <laughs> you have the description of Jalal. You know, it says Jalal is a man driven by the ghost of a dead future, which makes you want to go into a theory, but we'll move on. Critics accuse dead orbit of nihilistic fatalism, and Jalal would be the first to agree that Earth is lost, and as we've mentioned already, the city is a fatal trap. The Iraqs have no time for sediment. Only an alien miracle prevented human extinction during the, the collapse. Jalal dreams of a diaspora to come. Humanity ascended, scattered across stars too far flung for any single threat to reach, which, as Blue already covered, uh, that means they want us to go a little bit of everywhere, spread out. That way, if one colony or you know whatever we have at that point in time gets wiped out, there are others that can carry on the, you know, the, the existence. It says uh, Jalal's utilitarian practicality, uh, practicality yeah. drives him to bend laws and break rules in the name of Dead Orbit's great project. Damn it, Justin. Uh, <laughs> it says their ultimate goal is human survival and any sacrifice can be justified. Now, that kind of takes away, Blue, what you're saying about right. them wanting to save everybody. Right, and I, I know I was reading that too, and I was like, that is so weird. It's, it's like, that does fly in the face, because I can't remember. I mean, it's obviously they don't want to leave others behind. Otherwise, no, it, it just building fleet, you know, they, they would they would just go. They would just take their dead orbit brothers. Sorry, two, two or three. You go here. Make sure you bring a female. You guys rinse and repeat. You know, <laughs> they would do that. 
they and have to colonize the, new world. Yeah, they would do it all on their own if they wanted to, but they do want to save people. So you're on to something there. But it, it this shows right here that if need be, somebody's got to go. Well, they got to go. Right. Um, and you know that brings us back to kind of the darker side of Dead Orbit. Um, but you know, the, all in all, you know, all, all the all the factions have good intentions in their own way, uh, with the exception of no, the don't one say that. It. Yeah, we're we're all excited to talk about the most <laughs> war cult um, because they're just there's so much lore that came out with the future war cult now, um, and they it does seem like they're trying to do good in their own way, but they're they're so secretive, you know. Um, each faction has their own secrets, of course. But that seems to be what future war cult thrives on is secrets, you know. Um, even Lakshmi too, their representative, you know, it says for her there's nothing she likes more than secrets. No one knows where she came from. She just out of nowhere came into the city. You know, she she courts select guardians for initiation to to find that into the higher mysteries of the future war cult. And they, they have a, a brutal, brutal philosophy of an endless struggle. Um, and if, if somehow your guardian can put up with the, the mocking hints, the bloody minded philosophy, you, you do find her good company, you know, and, and she enjoys what she does. And it seems like the more secrets that she has, the more she loves it, you know, so with her, and that's not just her, you know, that, that's the whole faction right there. The more secrets they have, the better they feel about themselves for very good reason. And there, there's just so much that we can add into it with speculation that I'm going to stop and make one of you take over. So I hope you found a good <laughs> card to take on. For future war cult, Justin, you're the, you're the future war yeah. cult. You're the future yeah, cult fanatic. Yeah, well, yeah, Mr. Future World Cult. Um, Go for it. If you're, if you're skimming Future World Cult, um, they are, in essence, a cult. They do not have aligned members like some of the other factions do. They, they have cult members. And what do we know about cult members? They usually end up dying for their leader or their cause. Um, the beginnings of Future War Cult are shrouded in the most interesting web of mystery, I think, out of all of them. And I think we can all agree it draws back to the Ishtar Collective and Dr. That's Maya. That's debatable things. We're not getting into that yet. No, 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 no. Okay. Well, I think we can all, <laughs> I think we can all believe, uh, agree that at least it's worth a shout. Um, that those are the, that those are the, uh, Origins, at least tenuous origins of future cult. They have the very fatalistic view that they have seen all possible outcomes to our struggle, and that each one results in never-ending war. They have seen a future, 
and it is filled with war. So when you've seen a future with nothing but war, you don't pack marshmallows and graham crackers and make s'mores, you get ready for war. And that's what they're about. That's what they're in the business of, is being in a constant state of readiness for war. They are the tower doomsday preppers. They're ready to go. They're good to go um, at all times. And uh, yeah, I think Steam, he, he read uh, like Shimi's eHarmony profile. And you can tell it's a delight. And yeah, I just can't wait to I can't wait to jump back into that um, once we're ready here in our theorizing time. Um, oh yeah, yeah that that they are the best of all. Oh, did I say that? I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, where to now? So, oh, well, okay. So so we have future war cult. New Monarchy, Dead Orbit. Now, those three are the current factions inside the, the city, or well, inside the tower, that um, they they represent cities' mindset, I guess you would say, or they're 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 indicative. Their politics, right? Yeah, well, they they are the they are the controlling politicians at the time of the city, <laughs> and they combined into a group called the consensus, which is also including the speaker, um, which we all have our own random theories about the speaker. <clears throat> However, the consensus is then the, is really the controlling body, right? That's what the new monarchy is trying to overthrow. And, you know, everyone else is, they all have their own agendas towards the consensus. Um, and, then you have the vanguard, and as 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 far as factions go, we're going to use. I think we should use the term a little bit loosely because technically there's only three factions currently. In However, you also have to understand that you have you know the crucible, the van. Um, now have Queen's Wrath, all these other other all these other groups that we can collect, rep, what we call it, reputation form. Now some of those are vendors like the gunsmith, which we won't talk about. But as far as the Vanguard, that is a kind of a, a faction set outside of the civilian factions that is designated specifically for the Guardians. And the Vanguard were established as kind of the impartial mediators for in the city was kind of in that Dark Age period. Um, kind of to pull it out of the chaos that was being created, I think, with the faction wars and everything, you know, every, everybody was just kind of going nuts just trying to survive, which doesn't make for a very friendly environment to build up and repair what you've all lost. And so the Vanguard were brought together as representatives from the different classes or different castes of the Guardians at the time. Obviously, we all know them, the Hunters, the Wolves, and the Titans, um, each with their own uh, philosophy and approach to how to deal with problems, but together they were meant to be an impartial uh, voice of reason for these factions. And then, of course, the consensus was formed. I think the consensus was actually formed after the Vanguard. But I would uh, think it would be the opposite. Was it? Um, you think it was the opposite? Yeah, because you know you had it to where we had we had the collapse. You know, 
And the collapse is when the exos woke up, the ghosts woke up, the awoken showed up. Um, and we did not have guardians until we had ghosts. Now, one could argue this with the fact that the sunbreakers were out beforehand, but mm. sunbreakers are a whole nother ballpark, a whole nother faction. And uh, there's still other factions that we don't even know about. Well, at least we don't know that much about yet. Uh, I've already mentioned the Concordat, who got kicked out of the consensus for new or not for new monarchy. They they kicked him out for future war cult. Right, new monarchy and, kicked him out. Is what um, was it Hideo? Did was it Hideo who did that, or was it just new monarchy in general? It was new monarchy in general. Their uh, their guardians landed the finishing blow. Is what it says in the uh, the description for Bannerfall, one of the the crucible maps that came out with the Taken King. That is the area where New Monarchy finished them off. Which, once again, that goes back into theories because I don't know that they're all gone. It seems like they're a little bit too important of a faction to just be lost in the lore with. Okay, they were here. People didn't like them. They got kicked out for a future war cult. And New, Mar New Monarchy's uh, Guardians were the last ones to get the finishing blow on them. And then uh, you even have Ulan Tan. You know, we don't know even what kind of guardian he was, but we do know that he was associated with the city faction called the Cemetery who isn't even mentioned except for, and I think maybe one for sure, but they might be in like two, maybe three cards tops. Um, you know, they talk more about Ulan Tan himself than they do actually the, the symmetry faction. Um, there's not a lot on what their, their view of the world or politics was or anything like that. There's just the fact that he existed, uh, you know, None of the other factions agreed with his beliefs because like the Concordat got toward the end, he asked a lot of questions. Um, you know, Ulantan's thesis said that the light and the darkness must coexist. One balances the other in the symmetric relationship, mm -hmm. which means, you know, the traveler needs the darkness. The darkness needs the traveler. Uh, you know, it yin says that. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say yin and yang. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, they need each other to survive, which I have my own theory on that. You know, we'll move <laughs> on to that later. Um, all light is connected across space and time, which would all presumably also apply to the darkness, of course. Um, and the traveler sacrificed itself for humanity. And now it's up to humanity to return this good deed by healing the traveler. Now, you know, that's probably the only thing the speaker does agree with out of all the things that Olentan had tried to teach. Um, but yeah, so there's the cemetery, there's the, the sunbreakers, uh, there's the disciples of Osiris are their own faction, you know. Um, we read in the card that there's actually a sister that I don't think she's a blood sister, but uh, you know, she writes to Vance that the Awoken are letting him into the into the reef. Grant any guardian passage that finds themselves worthy. Um, 
you know, the even if the tower does find out about the trials, they will not understand his true purpose there. Um, which makes you wonder what the hell are they up to exactly? You know, um, or I, I believe the exact words are something I can't remember the exact words, but I know that she does say that they will not suspect his motive of being so close to the park and the light, you know, um, that, so there's something they have to do with that. They, they want to be close to the darkness and the light at the same time. What we don't know is why exactly theories for days, spin foil hats going crazy. Uh, <laughs> still are. You know, <laughs> like even in my mind now, I'm I'm getting all these different theories in my head of, oh, well, it could be this, or I, I argue with myself all the time, it's bad. Um, oh, that's going to be unbearable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys know how it is. Imagine if it's me against me. It's just, it's all the <laughs> yeah, that's all. <laughs> It doesn't end. Uh, <laughs> well, and, and then you, you also catch... have. Oh, go ahead, Justin. Oh no, go ahead. Well, oh, I was, no, was going to say, did you guys catch there was an alpha faction that didn't make it to the the release of the game? The uh, Seven Seraphs. Yes, and they sound really interesting. I don't know if they exist in this universe, um, or if they exist, we just haven't been. In- exactly, but they're very heavily linked with the War Mines. They came out of the Cosmodrome. And they were supposedly instrumental in putting together Rasputin's bunker. Well, and I, you know, I would tie that back to the the giant expose that everyone's <clears throat> kind of buzzing about from uh, I think it was Kotaku about the SE story. Because um, in that, you also found out that Rasputin was, you know, theoretically Rasputin was originally able to tap into Exos to take control of them, and so that. I, I'm almost I'm almost thinking that the seven seraphs were kind of probably an exocentric not not like an exo not only but more predominantly an exo faction because they might have been used as proxies for the war mines. because um, if you if you think about, you know, war mines able to actually incor in like incorporate themselves into an exo into an exo body then it would make sense that they would create a organization of hosts available to them in case they need it, you know. But since we're not really sure that that's still the case with the current current storyline, I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm on the fence about the seven seraphs. I'm I'm kind of not sure if we're going to see them, and if we see them, what exactly would see about them i'm I'm almost i'm more i'm honestly i'm more interested in osiris's cult but that's yeah. just because i'm becoming more and more <laughs> a fan of his but then we also have the sunbreakers which i don't know if you want to consider them i mean i consider them a faction um some people just consider them a, a class or a group but and we we know that they existed now, so I guess do you want to talk about those factions, the factions that yeah. that were that are no longer there? 
Yeah, sure. You know, we can start with the Sunbreakers since uh, we know they're not extinct yet. Um, <laughs> you know, you have to go to Mercury, which happens to also be the place that St. Fourteen was sent to hunt down Osiris, but I digress. Um, <laughs> and we know they had stuff to do with the city. Yeah, there's a huge argument going on. Well, not argument, but debates going on right now about Osiris and St. 14, and I can't stop talking about either one. Uh, so soon. Uh, <laughs> you know, and there it says here, you know, about the Sunbreakers, some titans create orders predate the city, born of a darker time when the light was an untamed weapon. Now it happens that Sunbreakers are one of these so-called titan orders it says they bring honor to the wild never seeking the safety of the city they don't need it they don't have the they don't need it part on there i'm just saying that because they're badasses um <laughs> bound by an oath they live by mercenaries they're seeking battles in alliances beyond the walls and uh you know when and when you have a titan in the taken king expansion you are the one that brought their light back to the city you know and uh it says that the hammer of soul it's a thing a legend of both past and future which i find interesting um blue was was that in our chat or is that something i found and never shared last week i don't remember that particular one i remember it's the sunburger it's talking about well, that, the, the big thing with Salvala is the fact, and this is how we know that Sunbreakers do have something to do. If not with Saint-14, they definitely had, uh, they had relations with Osiris. Because when you're doing that mission where you earn the Sunbreaker uh, subclass, Zavala tells you about how Osiris was trying to broker a deal between the Sunbreakers and the city. But it was Zavala specifically who felt that the conditions of the Sunbreakers were unacceptable. And that's the reason why the Sunbreakers hate the, the Vanguard. And with what feels like a very heavy heart, you know, like there's somebody in there he actually cares about, if not all of them. Um, he says, they hate me. And, uh, you know, that, that just goes to show if it's not a family member or somebody he knew personally throughout the years, then there, there's some kind of connection that Zavala felt. I mean, if, if you're a year one Titan bubble bros for life, you did it in PVE all the time. You know, you saw another Titan, you're like, yeah, dude, Titans for life. Um, but you know, there, there's just this this feeling when Zavala speaks that he, he so deeply regrets the that things went sour with the Sunbreakers, and that's something worth thinking about for sure. Um, it can't be just because they're tight. I, mean, I guess it could be, but I highly doubt it. Um, well, and then there was also the conversation that we had. We we're talking about the Osiris and the Sunbreakers <clears throat> about how. If we thought or what people were thinking about, um, about him trying to create his own city, 
he's got he's got now well he we know he's got warlocks um we uh now know that he was after titans and well hunters are always going to be kind of where just by the nature of their class and so i think that was the other kind of thing that i remember us talking about was is there a possibility that he is actually um trying to develop his own his own city and that might be part of the other reason not to not to digress too much back onto the Osiris trip because it's awesome but Osiris uh, <laughs> Osiris just exists everywhere we've already we've already we've already confirmed that he can exist everywhere and whenever he wants so you know we're just never getting away from it but no, and yeah. so yeah, so yes, really. I mean, Osiris, he was at the Battle of the Six Fronts, um, with Saint Fourteen, which we will be talking more about next week for sure. Yeah. Um, and Osiris will be all up in that too. <laughs> oh yeah, Osiris is definitely going to be coming up next week. You can you can bet your bottom dollar on that that we will be talking about him again. Because of Saint Fourteen being the topic this week, um, another important thing to think about with the Sunbreakers is that at one point when you're doing your missions, one of the quests says that your ghost tells you that he's been combing the tower records since we leave Venus, and the Sunbreakers have been effectively removed from the history of the city. You know, it's it, they were such an important group and out of nowhere they're just gone nothing about them so there was something about the sunbreakers that the city uh spin foil hats go the <laughs> speaker himself did not want people reading about sunbreakers that you know we i'm sure we'll find out eventually they they can't just leave it at that um and another thing with the sunbreakers is if you notice, it's the Hammer of Soul. And when you fight the Black Heart in the Black Garden, that the the last enemies are soul... Oh, I just had vex. the word. Yep. Yes, soul all vex. the Vex are Soul Vex. For the Black Heart. Soul Progeny. Yeah, Soul Progeny. And Mr. Mr. Uh, Justin here, who likes to look up specific dictionary phrases and look up soul <laughs> for us in that term um you know you'll see that it, it shows that their weapons could have actually been used as tools in the past like i i can't remember exactly what the the soul sniper is called um but i do know that i watched a Flat very one. interesting video on it the slap rifles? I think that's the one he's talking about. That was probably the Vex equivalent of a rivet gun. I think right, we were yeah. speaking. Soul actually means sun in Latin. Yeah, which which makes which is, I mean, that makes sense why it's the solar energy. And yeah. also the the leader of the Sunbreakers. Her she's got two interesting definitions her name means gold in portuguese which if you've ever seen a sunbreaker running at you they're pretty gold and then her name also means guardian in greek which is creepy 
God, we're going back to the. We, we, there are so many Greek. <laughs> there, there are so many Greek terminology being thrown around. Oh man! But um. But there's good reason for that, though, because you know, I mean, you visit the raids, you know, and you have all the terminologies just everywhere, you know. Um, you have the. I believe that's all Greek, isn't it? Um, sure, isn't all that Greek? It's it's all Greek mythology i mean you have the uh organs you have harpies. the organs harpies i mean minotaurs minotaurs yeah. yeah exactly all these things are in greek mythology um, i can't wait to do checks yeah like uh, that's what we need to do we need to just say to hell with the the saint 14 chat and just go straight to the vex next what? week oh gosh the Ve- i'm i'm oh. waiting for that one to kick off actually how the hell have we not done that yet I because don't I've, I've i've i haven't brought it up and no one else has <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it's i know it's, it's coming i know i know it's coming down the down the track so no it's good that one's gonna be fun and hey guess who else is gonna be in that one osiris osiris yeah. Uh, first, <laughs> dude, you but, can't so get away from the guy, and you know, um, he he's in all the lore, which just goes to show he's gonna be one of the most important characters of the game. Um, I if we don't actually see him in in you know Destiny Year Two here, come Destiny Two, we will hear from Osiris, um, which we'll get into another time. I'm not gonna keep going. I'm sorry. Okay, so then we got, so that's the Sunbreakers. We got, we kind of touched on the Concordat. We touched on the Symmetry. We've obviously touched on the three main factions that are existing today. Um, and we touched on the Vanguard. The Speaker is, you know, that that's going to probably be its own focused fire. <clears throat> um, what about Queen's Wrath? Do we, do we consider Queen's a faction? I just consider them an arm of the Queen. They're not, uh, an entity unto themselves pursuing a uh, an agenda. That's what I consider well, a fact. But the, the they, queen kind of was, so. I mean, can't earn rep. well, you can earn rep, rep on a. You can earn rep on her, but also, you know, she at the same time she held her own dominion. Um, now, Blue, you bring up an interesting question because. She's not exactly a faction of the city, but at the same time, we did name the Focus Fire the factions and the city. Right, and she uh, does, and, and she does relate back to the city. She, I mean, obviously, the Awoken have a huge impact on the city. Um, you know, there's the whole, the whole issue of Petra. The reason why she got demoted was because of her eradication of a of three fire teams during the Battle of Twilight Gap. Um, you know, they were they were on good standings with the city up until that minute. And then, you know, they basically were like, well, they can regenerate. We'll just bomb them. Um, that, didn't, that, didn't, that didn't really go over well with people. So obviously that, that kind of, we are already kind of on, you know, kind of on that borderline of being tense, tense re- relationship with them. And then that kind of just kind of pushed it over. Um, and so she got demoted. But I mean, and then there's also obviously the whole debacle with Skolos and that whole mess. But um, 
there and then there's there's also there's also a number of interesting flavor text with uh Ferrix about how he constantly is dropping hints. He, he kind of reminds me of the Cade of the the Reef cuz he's constantly commenting about, "Oh, that's a nice ship." Oh, hey, in the city, make sure they know that I'm a friend. I'm like it, it's it's constantly like he's he's constantly kind of dropping those little hints about, you know, Make sure that you remember who I am because I might need your help eventually. Yeah. But me. Well, it's known that he and his faction, I guess you can call his faction the uh, the House of Judgment. Um, he wants to rebuild the House of Judgment. That's what originally held the fallen as a race together when they were the Elksney. Um, or Alexney, however you want to try to say it, I don't know. But oh, before they were fallen, it was the house judgment that held all of them together. And uh, when things started to fall apart, when they lost the traveler, and it moved on to us, I'm guessing we were next, and that's why they hate us. Um, you know, that's when things really started hitting the fan. Um. You know, houses started fighting together, becoming divided, and Judgment lost control. And we know that Varys is the last remaining fallen from the House Judgment. Um, and we know that he does want to come to power again. And I believe the quote that you were looking for, Blue, was, Hey, Guardian, nice ship. Where'd you park it? Or something along those lines. Like, <laughs> He he wants to know where your ship is at specifically. Well, he, he also there's another one that he he's like that that looks like a nice you know like I think that maybe it was say what but like it was just I may have just heard part of it but it's just it was just one of those it was a very Cade like comment and I was like that's my ship stay away from it <laughs> don't don't touch it no no and even when you do like the uh, you could tell that Varys has a hidden agenda of his own of course. When you're doing the uh, the Taken War, the fighting the wolves again on the Mars, um, because that's where they end up going. That turns out in the Taken King because we killed Skolas and they don't have a Kel again. Um, he's telling you all these things to do, and then out of nowhere, Petra comes in, and he's surprised that she's there. You know, Petra. I didn't expect to hear you here. Yes. <laughs> it, you know, it's, it, it sounds like he's like, oh, crap. You weren't supposed to snap out of it yet. Queen said, go back to crying about her. Um, and it, it just, you know, so, but I don't think he does that in an evil way. I honestly think that Varich does have good intentions. Um, I hate to agree with Damowell, but. I, I do believe that the Fallen, if any race in Destiny that we are slaughtering mercilessly today, I think that the Fallen have a good chance of actually having a partnership with us. Because, I mean, they're, they're just victims of fortune. Um, you know, if the Traveler wouldn't have left them, they wouldn't be where they're at right now. All except for the Servitors and the Kells. They they can kind of just go off in a corner and yeah, yeah, they can, themselves. Well, according to DM anyway. Well, damn, yeah. yeah. Well, well, we can get into that on focused fire. Yeah. All right. So, trying to think what else we got here. Um, let's see. We've covered. I mean, we haven't completely covered like uh, 
the Concord at. Right. And the theory, know? the theories behind all those. I mean, I find it I find it really interesting that there's no, there is no, well, I guess it make it makes sense, but it's still interesting that Osiris and Saint Fourteen don't have a a faction affiliated with them directly. Um, it makes sense because Osiris had a known hatred for politics, um, or he he disliked obfuscation, as Saint Fourteen said. And Saint Fourteen just seemed too busy actually headbutting things to actually care <laughs> about, you know, care about being. I mean, and so I think it was just one of those. That was just an interesting side. But the other fun thing that I always came back to is that every single one of these factions, regardless of where or regardless of the method that they were were professing, every single one of them actually does have good intentions. You know, like there's not a single faction that's like, you know what? No, we just want power. Like it it's not it which it was it was actually it was an interesting thing because, you know, you always expect at least someone out there to be like, no, I just want it for, you know, I just want to control everything. And it doesn't seem that way. It seems like they're, they're all actually kind of trying to push city prog- prog- progress forward. I've just found that. And that might be part of the, uh, the selection process too, because I'm sure there are other minor factions out in the city it's just that these three, the three main factions that are in the tower are active members of the consensus. So I'm sure there are, you know, we know that there are other ones because of the faction wars, even though the little that we know about the faction war, but obviously there were others. Um, and I, I imagine that just because we haven't heard about them right now, we're also, you know, in the the hill above the city. We're not, we're not involved in the city, which is another reason I want to go in the city, but you know, <laughs> I would, I would, I would really, I just, I want more information about the political structure of the city because I just, that, that kind of, it's that post-apocalyptic world. And I wanted, I want to know how that whole thing fleshed out, you know? That's well, we do know, um, we do know for a fact that, like, it, it, we are not where the consensus concern, but I think we did discuss it that the vanguard is kind of like the guardian representative as far as politics go, and then you have the consensus is more along the lines of the interests of the city itself which we never get to go in, even though it does look pretty from, you know, where we stand in the tower. Um, so there is that, you know, the fact that the the Vanguard's kind of there to keep us in check and to also make sure that we, we get fairly, you know, um, the, the consensus is also there just strictly for the city, the the people's best intentions. Who, you know, they'll they'll recognize what kind of guardian you are when you walk by in the tower. But we don't see that many normal people there. But apparently, down there in the city, there is a bar. There's a Titan mark with a bar on it that Titans like to go to. So who knows? Maybe one day you'll get your wish, Blue. Maybe one day that we will we'll get that chance to actually go in the city and meet the people and 
you know, go have a beer at that Titan bar and yeah. find out how great it is. Um, it's actually funny. Oh, go ahead, Willie. No, go for it. What's funny? I was going to say it's actually funny. You would think the consensus would meet in the tower, being that the faction leaders are all there all day long every day. They actually meet in what's called the core, which is the section of the city directly underneath the traveler. So that's where the actual hall of the consensus is, where they, I guess, have their meetings and bang the gavel and make the big decisions. Yeah, I mean, we don't know a lot about what led, well, yeah, we don't know about what led to the faction wars, what happened there. Um, you know, whether we Guardians were the ones to end it or not, um, it's in the faction's grimoire card that, you know, in the city's earliest days, the there was various factions which fought for the hearts and minds of the refugee masses, you know, the people, pretty much. Um and the power struggles were shattering an already tenuous existence. And then after that, the following conflicts were known as the faction wars, which, you know, brought the city to its knees. It almost destroyed everything, which I think Lou said earlier. And uh, it's after that, when the, the, when the chaos got to the point where no one could take it anymore, a gathering of guardians fought to end the conflict. And that's what brought the peace you know that's what brought the city consensus and them and the speaker are ones that rule together and uh the three factions that are in the tower right now are the considered the surviving great factions that actually were civil with each other and could agree that they could work with each other to pursue their agendas um and it, it does say though that you know, as the city is branching out, you know, as we're going to all these new places and everything, the factions are still seeing chances for them to be the ones to win over guardians to their cause. Now, that makes you wonder, like, the, the factions want to win us over for their cause. So they feel like they need as many guards as possible to to help them complete their agenda, which I guess would make sense for <clears throat> even if you want to consider us undead husks, we're the strongest thing, we're, we're the best shot you got at, you know, getting things done when they need to be done. Um, you know, we're the ones that took down orcs, well now just recently took down orcs, but took down Crota, took down Atheon, took out the Black Heart, um, and really, I would also like to know more about the faction wars because it comes back to, you know, New Monarchy dealt the last blow to the Concordat, which we don't know much about. We know that they condemned uh, Osiris. They, they considered him a failed Golden Age experiment. Um, they had their own views on everything which I'm sure somebody is looking up right now. But the, the Concordat, the exact words it has here is, you know, it's in the Osiris card. The Concordat claimed to have records. They claim to have records 
proving that Osiris was a golden age experiment, which was misincarnated as a human by an inept ghost. So they, they felt that Osiris was an experiment gone wrong. And this ghost, which, you know, was kind of like, I don't know if you've ever watched Invader Zim, it was like the girl <laughs> of ghosts went ahead and oh, brought him back as a human. I totally just thought I want to buy that voice if they ever do ghost voices. <laughs> Dude, please. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. <laughs> if they had a girl voice, I'd buy that in a heartbeat. Oh, would... my God. <laughs> Before I get caught on that, that part, um, jo- Joshua actually was actually talking about the same thing I was actually going to bring up, too, is we also have to remember that this is not the actual tower. Like, this isn't the only tower. We have had other towers. Um, you know, as Bannerfall is evident. I mean, we know there's at least two of them. Um, and actually, I was I was kind of gonna make a quip too. Is like, what what do you guys think if what if Faction Wars is the uh, excuse that we get for custom PvP matches? That would be amazing. Well, I mean, that that almost <laughs> kind of would make that, that would make sense a little. Because it would it would it would kind of fall in line with the the story. Yeah, no, that would uh that really would it would uh tie up pretty nicely. And uh they could even have faction wars where points are tallied and you can actually have a, a winning faction every month. Which would be uh Well, because we have I mean we have clan wars, the third party site already. And just, yeah, I wanted a game though. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean that's... That's a third party thing that somebody just decided to do, which is great. Which you know, is amazing. I love Clan Wars, especially for Iron Banner. Kudos to the guys that are uh, doing DestinyClanWars.com. Has uh, always adds a little bit of uh, spirit into the VOD once the Iron oh Banner gets going. Spirit is a nice word for it. <laughs> Some get a little bit more competitive than others, but it is what it is. Um. But I just I but, thought of that one. I was like, that would be an interesting, um, well, I mean, segue for them to put custom matches in too. And you could even, you know, like you were saying, you could even use it to. Uh, I guess you couldn't really use it to gain rep. I guess custom that would be too easy to manipulate outside of game. Carry on, carry on, carry on. Yeah, I mean, they could they could always do. I mean, if they wanted to try to make custom matches. Grimoire, they could do it along the lines of Guardians have been asking for a chance to, uh, you know, show that they can defeat each other personally. They they like, you know, because I mean, you have to have a competitive spirit to be in the Crucible anyway. Right. So, I mean, that's they they can just preach on about competitive spirit, and even though you know you're not getting rewarded, you're you're out there for glory, not for rewards, and so on and so forth. Um, um, just real quick, Josh, in response, I believe the other faction with new monarchy in Bannerfall was actually the Concordant. That's, it was. That was the one, that was when they were put down and they made the space that Future War Cult filled. So that, that was what that was uh, in or, or in reference to. Sorry, he, there that's... was a question thrown up in the chat for that. Awesome. Yeah, I haven't been keeping on. I'm. A, I have like six tabs open about lore right now. 
and I'm adding another <laughs> one. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, another thing about the Concordat is we don't really know a lot about the leader. You know, we know his name was Lysander. Um, it says that he, like, if you read the Ghost Fragment of the City Age, it, it's the meeting where they decide that they don't want the Concordat to be in the consensus anymore. Um, we don't know who all is in this conversation, but we know the conversation goes as follows. And so it's agreed. The Concordat should no longer be recognized among the consensus. We'll begin dismantling right away. But what about the Guardians of Pledge to them? We can't afford any more banishments. Another person responds, I'm sure Zavala can see to their realignment. Uh, this may be Zavala that says, we'll do our best. Lysander chose as follows wisely. This may take some time. Someone else responds to him. Lysander will not back down. He'll continue his crusade from wherever we stuff him. Once again, someone else's response, and so we'll need some new ideas to replace his. The symmetry has been a uh, strong following. Once again, symmetry has been mentioned. Someone else responds that Ulintan's teachings are too dangerous, too much to fear. Who knew he'd be more troubled dead than he is alive, or than he was alive? Um, I would assume that this would be some, actually this would be Shaxx. We need to we'll need to refocus our collective minds on combat. The speaker's anxious to regain ground we lost after the gap. There is the war cult, someone responds. Too secretive. Have you ever tried to talk to one of their soldiers? Like a child, answering questions with questions. They are dedicated to the war. Which one? Good question. You know, and uh, it shows that Future War Cult hasn't always been here. You know, once again, they say in her card that Lakshmi appeared out of nowhere into the tower. And uh, she gained a following pretty quickly. And I guess Shax wasn't in that conversation because the last com the last sentence in there is now on to the next order of business. Shax is here with another proposal for his crucible. So, I mean, that just goes to show that he's coming in to propose different ways for us to kill each other. Right, which would make sense because I don't think the crucible would be census. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. it seems like a crucible. They checks while you know it is important, obviously, to the city. Um, you know, it's a whole nother deal. You know, it, it seems like the ones in those meetings are either the speaker, and then you have the the faction leaders, which I did want to bring up earlier. The ones in the tower. You know, Lakshmi to uh, Iraq Jalal, um, Executor Hideo. They are the representatives to appeal to us guardians. That doesn't quite mean they're the leaders. Um, you know, they could be higher ups within the factions, but there is a chance at the same time they could have higher up leaders that we don't know yet. Because I mean, yeah, because we it, all we know is these are the 
the these reps. are the people we talk to. Yeah, you know, you you want a badass shader, go to Dead Orbit and hope you get Revenant. Um, you know, you want a really good shotgun, go for Future War Cult. Hope they drop a crash for you. <laughs> <laughs> or if you just like a guy that you know loves kids and old people, then go to Monarchy. <laughs> if you love red, go to New Monarchy. You know, um, oh um, that that that's okay. all we really know about, dude. I'm I'm being good here. Come on, I'm behaving. Yeah, you're doing. You're on it. You're on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to say that I think they probably, when banishing the concordant, and they they thought we've got to fill this hole. We can't afford to have to lose any more people. We've got to give these members who aren't going to go with the concordant somewhere to pledge. I think they probably viewed Future War Cult as the least um, controversial of the choices because really what harm is there in having an army of battle-ready guardians ready to go all the time because they're super paranoid? I mean, I just I just kind of felt like that was what the city needed, needed in the moment, and they didn't really think too much about all their secret clandestine cultish ways at the time well and the other thing was you know we kind of talked about that in the chat too was the the symmetry it was very disruptive to the whole militaristic mindset of we can beat this person because their their entire philosophy is you can't beat them because it's the very nature of the universe so you know it's almost like you don't tell a soldier hey the person you're fighting, he's not actually able to be beaten. So, you know, I guess you can you can keep fighting, but there's not really any way you're going to win. Like, that's not the best way to to encourage troops is to 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 tout that the opponent is in, invincible. And so I think that was the other thing that we kind of talked about, too, was that was, you know, the concordant and symmetry were both kind of along those lines of they kind of towed the... Uh, the party line about how we view the darkness according to the speaker and I guess the consensus. And it was more, I, I kind of took it as more of, you know, yes, the future war cult was, you know, they had more secrets, but even if those secrets were actually the same, they weren't actively like spouting it. They weren't actually going out in the street and going, Hey, the darkness is not able to be defeated, but you should keep fighting, but we're not going to win, you know? That was kind of how I took when I was reading that. That's kind of how I saw that decision being processed among the consensus. I do want to point out that uh, the symmetry does end up. They were in year one. Um, when you do the Chamber of Night mission for the first time, I core away Ray after you fin you're finished. She says that your discovery is perhaps the greatest of our time and that the hive were in, if you remember in the chamber of night after you're done killing the witches killing the huge ogre um there was you found out a piece of the traveler that you ended up freeing from the hive and uh that's why icora says you know it's a great discovery if the hive were able to infect the traveler through this long lost shard of its battered shell Ulantan's theory may be true. Who Ulantan was, you know, as as 
they only confirm that he's associated with symmetry. But, uh, you know, all light remains connected across space and time. And then, of course, she says, we can't let the enemies use this power against us, because why would we want them to do that? But um, So, I mean, the symmetry have been here all along. You know, it goes back to that article you're talking about, Blue. I feel like Bungie, while they didn't want to go with the exact story, because from what I read in that article, uh, they felt that the story was too linear. At the same time, there is a lot of good stuff in there. I think we will see more factions pop up as we go along. Like, uh, you know, I think the Seven Seraphs will definitely be making a making an appearance sometime in the future DLC. Oh, yeah, yeah no, future. I, I agree. They probably won't be, obviously. But I think that the... the I mean, just again, going back to the faction wars, I think that that, that being in indicates that there are multiple factions that we aren't even aware of that are all vying political power um, because they all have their own their own sets of what we can do correctly to survive this mess that we're in and you know that's you know whether that's from the reef the awoken the X you know sure there's there's even more extreme out in the city that were over or have been passed over by the consensus because they're extreme. I mean, that's just my two cents on that right? tidbit. Yeah, yeah I, I think mean, what we have in the power of the cream of the crop. Um, the ones out in the city, the ones in the city who haven't made the cut, their their motives might not be as altruistic as say new monarchies. They well, might they, be a little bit more of a power grab. Right, and I think the other thing is you have to, you know, just like in the sense that in are in real life politics, the people, the majority, the, the people who are in power have a lot more ability to be kind to those below them than the people who are scrambling up the hill. You know, the people scrambling up the hill are doing everything they can to get a foothold to get further up ahead, whereas the people who are already sitting at the top have, they're, you know, they're not, they're not fighting there's not they're not having to deal with the, the the dramatic infighting on such a level that everyone is against them. They only have to worry about the other two people sitting next to them, you know. And then and they also are they have the high ground, literally and figuratively. They can see the the people who are coming for them, and they're eh, that person actually looks like they're making some progress. Let's uh let's get you know let's take care of that one. <laughs> I I can I mean I'm not saying that they're they're completely altruistic, but I think that. There is a set, you know, the political hierarchy is in such a fashion that they they have a bit more free time to to be altruistic, whereas the these other hypothetical factions would be more concerned with fending off the uh, the other ones beside them. But that also could be why they have the faction wars too. I mean, we don't really know how factions are decided, you know. We know now that there's a consensus that there is a voting, at least, of some kind. But as far as who gets put on the ballot, you know, that could be why those faction wars exist. Is But yeah. my, my well, thoughts on that one. There's, there was more factions even than the ones we've already discussed. Um, 
which you can find in the darkness card. You know, it tells us how the traveler saved us. You know, the speaker tells his story. Cosmic force swept over us, caused the apocalypse. Uh, Legend calls it the darkness. Traveler's ancient enemy hunts it across from space. And then it explains how we have questions. You know, centuries of debate gave birth to competing arguments on the nature of the darkness and the apocalypse or the collapse. Um, same, same, uh, I almost said a bad thing. Uh, <laughs> well, not horrible, but almost. probably not appropriate. Uh, <laughs> pretty much, you know, it, it, it tried to kind of answers what you're saying, because I, I feel like there's so many more. They, they mention at least one more faction that we have not discussed and we know barely nothing about anything about. Um, in this card here, you know, first they talk about the Pujari position, which we know Pujari was the last name of one of the uh, warlocks, because it's always on warlock gear, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yes, one, they're the troublemakers, I'm telling you. They're the troublemakers. Uh, it says, describes the darkness as a force with both physical and moral presence, an actualization of evil. Pajari art depicts the darkness as a great storm or as a change in conduct, a corruption that emerged from within and poisoned the golden age. Um, then they have the Saint-14's position, which argues that the darkness was an invading armada, an alien force incredible, but tangible power. Some adherents believe that this armada sprang from species rejected or discarded by the traveler for their sins, uh, which shows that's that's how you know they call it Saint Fourteen's position because that was how he looked at the 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 darkness, or how he currently looks at the darkness because we can't confirm a death for the guy. Um, if you can, please let me know because I would love to see a confirmation on his death. Um, <laughs> You know, and then you have Ulintan's thesis. We know Ulintan ran the uh, ran the concord, or no, he ran the symmetry. That's darkness is a ne- necessary symmetry to the traveler and a cosmic balance. In this view, the traveler's goodness led it to sacrifice for others, and it's up to us uh, good deed by healing him or her, because some people do believe that the traveler is Alpha Lupi. Moving on, we'll go straight to the monist position, or it's also known as the deflationary position. Considers the darkness as a technologically sophisticated force, perhaps a post-singularity intelligence, adherence invoked information theory, or contend that the universe is a simulation, allowing advanced intelligence to gain weakly a casual powers to buy bending rules, which makes it seem like they dealt a lot with the Vex. And then uh, there's another one here, which talks about the Praxic Creed, which, you know, who had the Praxic? There, there was the Praxic Warlocks. Once again, like Blue said, the troublemakers, the damn warlocks. Um, <laughs> the, the, the cataleptic clause claims that we are intrinsically able to understand the darkness in many beliefs, or in many respects, this belief parallels the Praxic Creed. It suggests that 
we should stop worrying about the nature of the darkness and focus on resisting and defeating it, which actually looking at that, that seems like that's the exact opposite of what the Praxic Creed would be, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because, yeah, because, uh, I mean, there's the flavor text from State 14 that says about the Praxic Warlock. And actually, now that you say that, that kind of goes in the face of us assuming that that was Osiris. Yeah, and, and that clause there, something's telling me that they they believe the exact opposite of Osiris and other warlocks, you know. Who cares about where what it is, where it came from? Let's just focus on stopping it and killing it. Right. They're very right. practical. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, Which makes sense to me personally. Yeah. You know. And then uh, they have the final uh, little phrase here. Certain positions, often labels as heretical, imply that the traveler itself triggered the collapse which I've heard that theory or that it knew that the darkness was coming for it and hoped to use the solar system as a sacrifice or a proxic army which no, I they would never do that I agree with 110 <laughs> flipping percent um, and then it says the binary star cult is one notable example who the hell is a binary, the star, binary cult? star cult the one that no uh, one knows anything about. We know zero about these guys, except for I like their style. That's about all I know. About. <laughs> because I've been Sorry. arguing this. I've, I've been trying not to argue it, but, you know, well, especially, I kind of see... Especially with the, the Book of Sorrows. Yeah, you knew you know, it was coming. You're running from it. It's been chasing you for eons. A good indication it's going to come after you again. I'm just saying, like, uh, Damowell, he likes to say that the Traveler was actually going to run from us. You know, he was going to try to move on to a solar system, another solar system, and, you know, Rasputin figured this out and said, oh, holy hell, wait, if you leave, this thing's going to kill us? I don't think so. And he shotgunned the hell out of it. <laughs> and uh, you stay right here, and you make sure we live or you die with us. Which, no, no, no. Clean up your mess. Yeah, exactly. If that's the case, Rasputin bravo, is the best Rasputin. dad ever. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you, you go Rasputin, dude. I'll buy you a, a beer or whatever you we AI. Have, we have a clan that Rasputin oh. can join. It's called the Dads of Destiny. So is that confirmed? <laughs> I can I can type that in the chat that uh, Rasputin put the traveler in a timeout. Oh my gosh! So, <laughs> according <laughs> to Danwell, I don't know how much I agree with that exactly that exact thinking well and then i mean there's there's also the the x-ray i know x-ray and dragon from ghost stories they they made the point um the guy who actually wrote or well wrote some of the group actually did post over i think it was on reddit it might have been on the destiny lore i can't remember if it was in destiny the game or destiny lore um but he he actually did say no rasputin didn't shoot the traveler that was just a contingency plan my my only argument with that is okay, that's great, but that's not actually what's in the the cards. Like there there is no there is no confirmation or denial that that's what happened. All we know is that Rasputin had the plans to to shove something somewhere on the traveler to make sure it did not go <laughs> so anywhere. 
I see what you did there, buddy. I'm like, it, it, there's a joke in there somewhere. Yeah, there is a joke in there. So, but I mean, like, there's I mean, a dirty I'm, joke in there somewhere. I am like 75% sure that Rasputin is there. I mean, well, when we know Rasputin is extremely powerful because Oryx is scared of him. He he pulled people back from the earth because of what, well, we assume it's because of the war mine, but I mean, the war mines themselves have created a, a, a level of protection. So, I mean, the war mines are, you know, are something to be feared. And the the hive fear them, the taken fear them. I mean, the fallen are all up in their business. They're constantly invading orcs or Rasputin's, I guess, CPU. Like they're they're constantly digging into him. I mean, there's something that the war mines are a force and un, unto themselves. And so, yeah, I I I personally am kind of a firm. Rasputin is the. Uh, he's not the war mind. We, he's not the war mind we deserve. He's the. But. <laughs> I'm probably gonna get. Oh, what's up, Rev? Rasputin is not the war mind that we wanted, but he is the war mind that we deserve. I'm there gonna throw go. that out. There. there you go. That's the one. That's the one right there, buddy. And as he, Rev, he Rev, Rev pointed man. out, it's a Russian war machine. He doesn't really mess around it, too much. I mean, I'm sure there's a meme in there somewhere. Yeah. Oh, gosh. There's definitely <laughs> a meme in there somewhere. I mean, you look at Rasputin, you know, he, he he's an old Russian, I want to say God. Um, so he, he got a war. I'm sure Justin's looking it up right now. Um, but you know, th- this Rasputin, you know, he puts the Putin in Rasputin. He doesn't <laughs> care what it takes. He's out there to win. Um, I think we pointed that out in the chat already, but when it comes to Rasputin, his, his main focus is what do I have to do to win this war? And y- you look at everything. There was, mm, card i can't remember where there was a general that he actually liked you know um the general would actually fly too close to his missiles i want to say it, it, it was i read this actually earlier today and i can't remember now i'm gonna try to look it up but rasputin is kind of like a faction in and of his own self um i still hold he, that he, seven seraphs was was a re- they could have been war mines. Uh, yeah, they war. could have been war mines. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, we know the two of them out. Actually, we know there's more than two that were made. There was Rasputin. There was Charlemagne. Um, and I know there's more. I just can't think of the names right now. But each of the own co- of the countries, it seems, had their own war mine. But it was the Russian war mine, Rasputin, probably because of, uh, you know, vodka and reasons <laughs> that he, he, he ended up being the one to survive. That's a, that's a good point. I never actually even thought about that. But each of the major countries would have their own war. That would, that would make actual sense. See, I knew there was a yeah. salient point in there. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. You know, each of, each of these countries, you know, us, China, Russia, um, I'm sure... 
the the UK. Exactly, Kashin. You, you vodka know, and Reese. You know the That's UK is going to have a uh, a Chesterton one, right? Yeah, a very you proper. Know he's one. going. Yeah, he's going to be smoking a cigar and yelling at people. <laughs> and I want to meet him immediately. Yes. And but yeah, is, that is that is a good gosh, man. We are kind of off tangent on that one, but I guess not because the seven seraphs. We can use that as an excuse to kind of dig in. That would, that would be that would be because it's seven seraphs, right? So you would have seven world powers. Thinking, I'm kind of sleep deprived, so I might be miscounting something somewhere. Yeah, it but, is rather late. We're still doing this, but but um, yeah. So I mean. Gosh, man, can you think of seven entities of Rasputin's powers running around? No, I cannot. That would be terrifying. Cannot fathom it. That would be... Well, no wonder it was the Golden Age. Maybe the fall was just them getting a Trojan virus. Didn't actually have anything to do. Yeah, shoot everything at once. Yeah. Gosh. Because I know... Well, because I know that... Um, I, think it, I think it was Ghost Stories. They made the point on Anomaly... Um, if you run around, yeah, it was ghost stories. If they, if you run around on the anomaly of the crucible match, there are symbols above the doors. And this was actually really fascinating. So again, if you guys, we said it in chat already, if you guys haven't listened to ghost stories, go listen to ghost stories. They're awesome. Um, but they made an excellent point about the anomaly being a theoretical meeting of the minds, which literally the war minds, because I guess if you run around on the crucible match above each door, there's a different symbol. And they've connected, I think, two of the symbols, one to Rasputin and then one to Charlemagne. And then I think there was a third one that they didn't know. So, but yeah, no, yeah, it was. I'm I'm way too busy getting shotgunned on that map to I, notice symbols. Yeah, there was, that was, I was like, that's why I listen to other people because I'm too busy trying to run around and not get killed. Um, I don't, I don't recognize, I know the environment as far as I'm not going to get shot through something, which half the time that doesn't work. So, <clears throat> but, um, oh no, go ahead, Blue. No, no, no. I was just going to say back to factions. Yeah, no, I, I kind of think we're probably not going to get far enough into future war cult for my liking, but there's probably a, a heavy part of this that can be covered when we do Vex. Um, I did want to kind of just cover their their uh, origin story just a little bit, and I know Willie's going to fight me on this. I know, but we, it, it won't hurt that bad. Um, so we know the scientists at the Ish- at the Ishtar Collective they uh, they were doing experiments on a Vex mine core, and then found all the fort fort simulations of themselves, two hundred twenty seven of them. And then later, after they sent those simulations back into the VEX network, um, Maya Sundaresh was working on a device, a device that they're very, they are very uh, secretive about its exact um, mechanics. But essentially, it seems like something you would look inside and you could see into the VEX network. There's talk of one scientist killing himself after a minute after a minute inside and after three seconds another one having deja vu in the extreme sense um 
And then she writes in her journal to her her wife, Chioma, um, that she's leaving, but that uh, she can't take the journal with her, but that she's leaving it behind. And maybe it'll become the Bible of our little cult. And uh, it's believed that the future war cult actually retrieved plans and parts of this machine, recreated it in the city. And uh, it is the basis for their whole for their whole uh, kind of theology here. They they use it to justify everything they do. They looked into the machine. They saw only war and they said, well, let's prepare. Um, and I know it wouldn't be focused fire if I didn't pull up something really obscure on a god or goddess. Like Lakshmi is actually the Hindu goddess of, believe it or not, wealth, fortune, and prosperity. So there's that for all you uh, Hinduists out there. Just big shout out to Lakshmi. But I think the Future War Cult has the best backstory of them all. Um, without a doubt. And the other, the and other thing that points point. towards the Ishtar thing is the the fact that she's an EXO. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You, you, I don't know if you yeah, I mean, on that. But the the Ishtar collective was the. Uh, I think that was the source of the quote about human minds are not able to grasp what is going on in time travel network. And so they, that's that's arguably also where we had the exos coming from, as as a byproduct of wanting <clears throat> wanting to um, to harness that information for. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a, a pretty interesting little piece of dialogue from like Shamey, if I could pull it up, and. She essentially says, where will you be when she comes back? Or will you be ready? Let me see if I could pull the exact quote up. But it leads me to believe, who is she? Is it either Maya or one of the forks? Or it could be the stranger. I mean, keep in mind the fact that the stranger, well, no time to explain, which, of course, is one of the stranger's most popular sayings i have no time to explain why i don't have time to explain um and that's exotic you get which just so happens to be just like the stranger's rifle you get at the end of the basic campaign um you know it it all leads back to the future war call you know that the the pro the things they were doing over there at the ishtar collective um you know all that was studies on the vex if you go ahead and you read into their own card um you know it says before the apocalypse or before the collapse i don't know why i keep calling the the collapse or the apocalypse but um (laughs) it's essentially the same thing but you know you got to remember that if you got the collector's edition the big fancy edition that came with cade's journal um he was sent to the Ishtar Collective because he lost a debt. Uh, he owed a debt from a bet he lost. I thought he, I thought he went to Clovis up, Bray. Um, Clovis Bray ended up sending him on a mission. Oh, that's right. That's right. To the Ishtar Collective. Right, right, right. Um, you know, he thought that Clovis Bray was going to send him a bill, 
instead they were sending him another mission to go to the Ishtar Collective, where he ended up having a thing for Maya Sundaresh, um, which I believe this was before she had met her wife, which, you know, shout out to Destiny for having the, the lesbian marriage in there. Um, they've totally <laughs> protected the future. Um, which I didn't, uh, which I didn't catch until like the fifth read through. <laughs> but you know, and it says that before the collapse for the asylum, the once again, it's a crucible. This would have just been another stop on the subway line between Clovis Brace Venus Archaeology headquarters and the academy, which you would assume is the Ishtar Academy campus by the shore. Now, it's a grim reminder of the lives, the dreams, and the progress we lost when the darkness came for the Guardians of the Crucible. For the Guardians, it's a place to sharpen their blades in the shadow of the Vex, an enemy who knows no such sentimentality. And, um, you know, it, it leads you to believe that Clovis Bray was a larger corporation that maybe funded the research of the Ishtar Collective. They and, were a rival to their Star Collective. Right. Well, well, they, they, well the, the, it doesn't yeah. explain why then Clovis Bray would send Cade, who owed them this great debt, over to the Ishtar Collective. The mole. Um, <laughs> it, it could have been, and that could be why he always stood there silent. He never really talked to Maya Sundaresh, even though he had this infatuation for her. Um. And then you got, of course, the whole story that I believe we've already gone into with, uh, I don't know if we did that in chat or if we did that on one of our focus fires. Um, but you, you have it to where they have the story of what happened with the scientists, including the infamous Dr. Shim that you also hear about <laughs> in year one. And, uh, you know, Dr. Shim, who is that? I don't worry about it. And uh, he, you know, Dr. Shim, turns out, was a guy that liked to use foul language and was probably the most <laughs> negative out of any of the Ishtar Collective scientists. Which we love uh, about him. Absolutely. Yeah. Shim. Uh, he, he used a lot of expletives, man. Um, <laughs> I, I can't help but wonder what all those words were. I would love to read the, the uncensored version of what he was saying. Um, but long story short on that is they were trying to study a Vex war mind. The warm, the mind started making simulations of all the scientists. They started freaking out, wondering if that they might've been just one of the simulations and they enlisted the help of a war mind. Now, uh, the war mind is debatable. Many believe it's Rasputin. Mainly because he's the one that's mo mentioned most in all of the grimoire. Um, and either way, the war mind helps them get all of their simulations out. All 227. Which, you know, unharmed, not dead simulations that they pulled out of this Vex mind. They decided to go ahead and send this into the Vex network. So they could try to understand the Vex as well as time, time travel, and space travel. <laughs> and uh, we don't really get to find out too much more 
about those forts. I do know that there is actually a warlock. Um, I want to say it's a legendary artifact that you can equip that talks about how it's overheated with two not just one group of scientists, but 227, which I'm hoping they yeah. elaborate more into the story. I don't remember exactly what it's called. That's an awesome series of cards. I love that line from it where uh, the one guy says, oh, what's the big deal? They're just simulations. And I think it's, uh, what's the guy's name? Dwayne McNider or whatever his name is. Says, well, think about it. There's hundreds of these things. What are the odds we're the real ones? And yeah. It just, yeah. Matrix. Yeah. Yeah, spin four <laughs> no, engage. Uh, all one big. What the hell was that movie called? Um Oh, um, Inception. Yeah, that's what that is. That's that's a case of Inception right there. And uh, <laughs> you know that blows all their minds where they want to make sure they get them all out there. And then that leads into the theory, of course, that um, one of these forts of either Maya Sundaresh or her wife, one of those two, ended up finding their way into an exo body and becoming the traveler, or not the traveler. Good lord. Um, Oh man, that's <laughs> yeah, that would have yeah, been real deep. Uh, ends up becoming the Exo Stranger, uh, which it makes sense because the tra- the the stranger, you know, moves through time, follows us through our whole journey. We don't know how she knows that we're gonna end up getting that ship and getting out of there alive, or uh, you know, that we're actually gonna heed her call when she tells us to come to Venus. We just go. And uh, so I, I do strongly believe it's either May or her wife, uh, Chiomi, or however you pronounce that name. Jimmy Changa. Jimmy, Jimmy Changa. Jimmy Changa. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, there are two really good uh, quotes from Lakshmi, both of them mentioning a, mentioning a her. Um, she says, so I, I can tell by the way you stare at me, you've seen her, haven't you? And then the other one is the most telling. It says, she will find it, Guardian. And when she does, we'll be there. <laughs> so definitely a pretty a pretty uh, important female character running around doing stuff for future war cult. In time, space, we don't know. And it makes sense that it would be the stranger because, I mean, you know, you look at her grimoire. You know, it says, I've been here before. I'll be here again. I'm here now. Um, that I have seen so many names within the dead. Sometimes I see my own in there. But, you know, I know that I am not dead, which goes to show that this person has never died, whoever the stranger is. So she is not a guardian. She explains that to us when we meet her for the first time in person. No, I'm not born of the light. Um, and you look at it, I don't think Lakshmi has her own ghost either. So, I mean, there's a good chance that, you know, she could very well be one of the forts or, you know, an ancestor of such that came out of nowhere. Because, once again, mysterious beginnings disappeared out of the tower out of nowhere, which is kind of shady to me, but Justin likes it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, think about it though. If you were, if you were 
generated as a simulation in a Vex mind, you don't get very much more born out of the light than that. That's true. I mean, especially if you look at Ulantan's theory, you know, that the darkness is pretty much just another version. Well, not another version of the light, but like you said earlier, the yin to the light's yang, you know, um, that they're pretty much equal entity, entities, just, you know, opposite sides of the battlefield. They need each other to survive. So it, it would make sense that maybe Lakshmi is one of the forts as well. If she's not Chomi, then she is, uh, you know, one of Maya's and vice versa with the stranger, which could be why they get along so well and are so determined to follow each other's motives. And uh, one thing we didn't mention about Future War Cult is that there is a Grimoire card where this there's, there's always a Grimoire card involving something important where there's a ghost with no guardian and it doesn't talk to anybody who talks to it like it, it seems like this ghost is just traveling on its own um it's beat up to hell and back um and the grimoire for the future war call it actually said i don't know if it's exactly for the future war called or if it's for the ishtar collective but i do know that uh you know, they, they tell the ghost, we put you back together and you're working so we can get this machine working. And, uh, you know, it's widely believed in our chat, at least, that the machine that they're talking about is the same one that drove Maya Sundaresh's other scientists crazy, the one guy to suicide and her to one and get the hell out of there before she probably end up suffering the same fate. But at the same time, they all had this fascination with this machine because it did show them the future. Just, you know, I think it was mentioned earlier, is a very grim future filled with war, death, destruction. And, uh, you know, all, all good stuff, all connected. We're, we're starting to get into our spinfoil hat mode now. <laughs> How long he was waiting to do that? <laughs> He's been waiting this whole time to do that. Uh, yes. Um... <laughs> but there, there's just so much. Like the, the the future war call definitely has the most going for them as far as the grimoire goes, especially since they seem so connected to the Ishtar Collective. I think it's so obvious that it's ridiculous. Um, you know, that's one of the things that Bungie wanted us to connect together. Uh, or did they? I mean, I'm pretty, I mean, come on, man. <laughs> it had to be. And, uh, you know, you have the Ishtar sink, ghost fragment. The box appears to be copper. The red lid is dented, one can shattered. Inside weights a small quantity of the finest, driest powder. More brown than gray, more blue than green. The greatest minds in creation make quick work of the material. The powder is weighed by the grain and studied close. And remember, 100 billion bits of near nothing reside inside the copper box. All of them tiny and near spherical. All etched with the outlines of continents and islands and ice caps. 
Each sphere represents a planet, and some of these tiny globes match known worlds. There is one Earth, and one Mars, and one Venus, too. The box holds renderings of every habitable world in the galaxy. One of them offers a simple explanation. The box is a message. The message is a mystical nature of the box's cargo. It's the image of 100 billion worlds barely filling two hands. But if so, who is delivering this message? What vastness do they wish to impress upon us? And is it a warning or an invitation or a taunt? I would say it's probably a warning, you know, a, a warning of the war to come because, you know, you have the, the other grimoire where once again, there's a ghost that doesn't have a guardian, but it's out in space just floating about for some reason. Um, you know, maybe it's just a ghost that used to be a warlock in a past life and it's floofing about. Uh, like only but, ghost king. You know, it, it sees all these different ships, and these ships, some of them have familiar factions on the side of them. You know, they're future war cult ships, dead orbit ships, new monarchy ships, uh, vanguard ships, and then you have the ships that they don't recognize that have not yet been been seen in the city. And, um, you know, you, you have it where they, the tower's gone is pretty much what the, the card says. And uh, they're either A, looking for a new home, or B, looking to exact revenge for their home, which, you know, home at that point in time would have been the tower. So... You know, it's a debate that we had going on in the chat for a while that it could have been that my my theory is that they're looking to get revenge. You know, the the traveler finally got the power to leave and did exactly that. Left or, us. or the other. Well, and that was the other conversation that we had, too, was was this a glimpse into the future of what happens if a particular faction gains power? You know, that one would be indicative of dead orbit. You know, they they get majority power, they they get they finally get their wish and they get everyone packed up and let's get, you know, the hell out of Dodge. And now we're you know, Battlestar Galacting the around the <laughs> universe. But that it wouldn't follow dead orbit's exact policy. That's true. They didn't you know, they didn't they, stay they want you to spread out. Right. You know, they and they stay together. Dead Orbit wants us to be in different places at once, so that way, if one of our colonies gets destroyed, at least there's others. Which, you know, if the entire armada of all factions and everybody from the city is there, you know, that's that's kind of defeating the the Dead Orbit way, so to speak. Um, which, yeah, that could be still, you know, if. Dead Orbit was to gain power. Maybe the tower didn't get destroyed. You know, maybe they just convinced everybody to leave. But once again, spin full hats, theories, and what have you. I believe it's a sign that the Traveler is eventually going to leave us again. And that when it does leave us, like it has so many others, we're either A, going to hunt it down, or B, find a new home. And uh, who knows? Maybe Osiris has said home. And, uh, and we bring it back to Osiris. Yep, I was waiting for it. 
<laughs> you kept talking about Vex and time and matter of just matter of time before he came back. So do you guys want to go ahead and open it up to questions? Keep going. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anybody has any questions that they feel we may be able to answer? Feel free to shoot them out now. I know we're about a uh, half a minute behind. So questions, comments, suggestions. We did gloss yeah. over Crocus Bane as a faction. They're not. It's it's not really a they. It's just Eris. But yeah, Eris is definitely up to something. All right, Cook. Uh, I definitely agree with you. Eris is up to something. I mean, all those years of being stuck down there in in the Hellmouth had to have done something to her. I mean. You know, we already know that she lost her eyes and her ghost and her light while she was down there. And so she could see again, she would go ahead and she stole the eyes from a brawl, which sounds pretty brutal and metal and awesome. And then duct taped uh, them to her face. It has to be duct tape. Uh, or maybe it is medical tape, you know, because yeah. it's... Oh, from, yeah, the gauze. You know, yeah, it's kind of a gauze maybe that she, she uses to keep them in there. And, I mean, we could go on about that forever because... I mean, at the end, after we, once again, exactly cook, you know, it gives her a link, which is why, once again, we come back to either St. Fourteen or or Osiris. We don't know who yet because we're going to argue heavily about that next week. We know that Eris was the hunter without a ghost that was talking to Queen Marisov before orcs came to invade. That said that we needed to uh, take down orcs. We don't know who the other guardian was. We don't know if the man was Osiris. There's now rumors that it could have been Saint Fourteen. I'm still leaning more toward Osiris. Switched isn't here. Who exactly are the factions trying? To... Yeah, I was gonna say if you when you get done with that, we can touch on that too. Yeah, well, they're trying to influence the guardians. Well, we are the, the guardians and the consensus too. I mean, well, you, you, consensus. You the factions right 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 so like i would say that they're trying to influence the overall i guess you would call it the populace of not only the guardians but the city yeah exactly the city the citizens because the the factions are represent representatives of the city and the civilians whereas the vanguard are representatives of the guardians so the factions that we know of in the tower are the majority leaders of the political environment within the city below the tower, right? They report into the consensus, which is then kind of fed into the speakers also in the consensus. And then they basically are the decision makers of the entirety of the city, the tower, the whole, whatever you want to call the human exo woken conglomeration, that whole thing. That's, I mean, that's ultimately who they're trying to influence. They they want, you know, like we were talking about, each one of them has a different idea of how we should move forward. You know, look at look at new monarchy. New monarchy is like, you know, get rid of the consensus. We want a monarch and future war cults like I don't really care who's leading us. Just get ready for war. And then you have dead orbits, which like just run away and get spread out as much as possible because something's coming and we just need to be ready. And this is the way we need to be ready. So I think, I mean, the short answer is everybody. And the longer answer is, yeah, it's it's a it's a body of politicians who are trying to dictate how the entirety of the I, I keep wanting to call it the human race, but it's not just the human race; it's also the exos, it's the tokens who are at the tower. But how? Don't that, forget about sweeper bot. No, oh, and the sweeper bots. You know, they need. Re- I'm surprised that Damo's not picking on representing um, him. 
but you know it's life of the common people frame <laughs> but it's it's them it's it's the how do we move forward in order to survive the oncoming storm is i think the influence right there i think i i gotta agree with uh josh here you know in the chat Mm -hmm. i'm reading that right now yeah you know they're they're like religion and politics all in one well and i think that you know that's what justin just (laughs) threw in the chat too is that's that's what i think makes the future war cult such a interesting entity is that that's exactly what they are they're a they're a cult but they're also pragmatically political yeah, they they made it into the consensus, uh, albeit through the destruction of the Concordat, they still you know made it into the consensus. You know, they were approved to come into the tower and try to convince us guardians to fight for them and to salvage for them, and so on and so forth. Which you know speaks great lengths about FWC. Although, if I'm going just for cool gear, I go dead orbit. But if I'm going morally, or I guess politically, I lean more toward new monarchy. Granted, giving one person power is a terrible idea. It's got off. I, I, I don't agree with the, the main policy behind their politics. But everything else about them, I'm, I'm all for. To have one unimpeachable power that holds everything you know, in their grasp does seem like a god-awful idea which is why I don't have any of my guardians pledging allegiance to them. And I don't, I'm not a big fan of the color red. You know, I like purple and I like but black. But you see it all the time. I do see red you, all the you, time. It's usually you see red on a daily basis. You should be new monarchy for sure. It's Damowell's fault though. He, he likes to get me going and I like to get him going. But I digress. Once again, Future War Call definitely is one of the most lore-influenced factions that we have available to us to pledge to right now. But when it comes down to it, I honestly, I think that they are trying to appeal more to the Guardians than they are the city. I mean, do they want the people's favor? Of course they do. Well, I think the more Guardians they have, the more of a show of force they can make, the more positive things they can do. And that is a tool to win hearts and minds in the city, which is then therefore a tool to manipulate the consensus. It's all hearts and minds all over. I think everything you do is to to gain favor. I can't wait for the Saint fourteen chat next week. Uh, oh, yes. talk about Osiris. <laughs> I do want to respond <laughs> to Josh. Osiris as well. He said, uh, "I know we said the Reef's influence could or could not be considered a faction. Um, do you think their influence could continue to grow, even though Marasov is um out of commission? I think yeah. they honestly have." More influence than any of the other title factions. I didn't think they were a faction in the strict sense of the word. They are their own government, and they are very powerful. And that power reaches the city for sure. Well, their um, main power was the fact that Marsov could control the uh, the Harbingers. That was her show of force. I will take mm-hmm. these powers from the Golden Age, and I will destroy anything in my path. Unless it's a dreadnought, then it's going to eat them like yep. grapes and destroy yes, all of my armada. <laughs> Oops. Yes, you said I shot. Uh, I shot my uh, my one shot. Now, now I'm gonna pass out. Yeah, and I mean, they. I I really think we do have. I'm gonna look for it now. We have it to where 
there is a card where some people believe that it's in a war where the Awoken were evolved in beforehand. I want to say it's one of the cards of Aftermath. Yeah, are you talking about the one with the uh, uh, the Auroch talking to the ghost, sending him back? Mm-hmm. Um, no, because, okay. I mean, if you're That's talking about the Queen's brother, the crow. No, 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 no. I'm there. Uh, hang on. I'm looking. That's the aftermath card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it? It's called aftermath. That, that, that's the yeah. aftermath card. Is Queen's brother after on the, Mars? The dreadnought. Um, after the dreadnought blew him up. No, no, no. You're talking about the one where he sees crows when he's on that's, Mars. I'm not. I'm a hundred percent sure that's the aftermath card. Really. Right, right. That's not the one I'm talking about. Oh, okay. I'm looking now. I'm trying to find it as well. Uh, um, it's record nine seven eight eclipse four one six five. It's uh, it's he's it's uh, he's talking to a little ghost, and he says, "I didn't know the go- the traveler sent its ghost out this far from home. Poor little lost thing, please wake up. I am an Eric of dead orbit. I am the last of the crew oh. of the Sophia. Is that the one you're talking about? No, sir. Okay, it's the ghost fragment, the reef cube." Some people argue that this is a before war because it's in the House of Wolves. I see it more as foreshadowing. In our long-range communications, she gets an aggrieved sigh. Mara, it's a miracle any of us are still alive. You will address her as Queen Teku and Shuro cut in. My, sorry, my apologies, Queen. The engineer ran a dirty hand through her matted hair. No, no long-range comms. No short-range comms either. Not that there'd be anyone listening to that on the listening end either from what i can see my queen she added hastily and it's pretty much describing that mara saw her tekuns who are like her right hand women that help her control the harbingers and which one she's going to pull out which i do want to point out once again for some reason they decided to use all the harbingers on works except for the oldest one it's like a wine it gets more powerful as it gets older. That's kind of what it feels like. You know, this this Harbinger has seen more. It's done more. It's gotten more powerful. Like us, it gains experience as it goes along. You know, it has this whole thing about how the Tekuns didn't think what Mara had decided. Just like when she attacked Orcs, they didn't think it was a good idea. But, you know, you don't argue with Queen Mara Saw, period. She bows no one. She doesn't. She bows no one. Once she has her mind made up, that's it. A lot of people think this is a poor thing because of the end of the Grimoire card. When it says, now in the flames, shapes begin to form. A crashed ship. A blue-skinned hand clasping a brown one. A half-built wall high above the treetops. And then it says, you who betrayed us for Earth, Mara thought. It is I, your queen. I will grant you one chance to return or you will not be welcomed back. But the tide of voices never wait. Which... Right, and we know that she had made that statement to all the Awoken when the city, I think when they started returning to the city, she, she gave them the option to return to the reef. And basically they had one option, and then if they didn't, then they were basically, I think they were just considered, they weren't considered traitors, but they they were not Awoken in their eyes. Which, it made sense. In the sense that you can pick from being either an Exo, an Awoken, or a human in the beginning of the story. And no matter which race you chose, you know, even if you were an Awoken, 
you were surrounded by Woken ships during the main story, and you were told that you were not allowed to be there because you were a guardian without permission of the queen before you, you realize how much you're going to end up hating your brother. And, right. And then you know, real, story. Right. And then real quick, Switch Switch brings up a good question too. And he says, do you think they'll flush out Dead Orbit and New Monarchy like they've done with Future War Cult? In, in other words, give them a story and background. Um, I'm sure. Well, I would be surprised if they didn't. So, I yeah. mean, New Monarchy already kind of has some hints to their background with the whole um, disposal of the Concordat. It's it's a little buried. Um, it's not nearly as robust as Future War Cult. But in Dead Orbit, we don't know what Dead Orbit is. I mean, all we know is that apparently their rep is haunted by something, um, whether that is a vision that he saw or if it's something that happened to him during his journey to the tower, you know, whatever that is, that's never been explained really. Not, not nearly as much as it's been explained by Future Warcold. And I, I think that it's telling, too, that Dead Orbit's scouts are very big in the Taken King. I think it's kind of, I'm, I'm kind of actually thinking that the Dead Orbit is probably going to be the next faction that we get a bit of information on. Because they tend, they, they were mentioned a couple times in Taken King and kind of in um, a notable nod to them. Because it wasn't it Zavala that told them to pull their fleet back when, I can't remember the mission that you're on. <clears throat> but he's like, basically, nope, back off, back off. We'll take care of it. Well, not only that, but you have uh, Dead Orbit is the faction that decided to tell the Tower that the Skyburners, who we just learned about right. when right. they go kamikaze and slam their ship into the side of the Dreadnought making a, a hull breach, they're the ones who decided to tell the Tower that they're no threat to us. Oh, that's right, yeah. You know, Dead Orbit makes it once for some reason to make it clear that the Skyburners aren't a threat to us. Although if we use their employment codes, they come and raise hell and try to murder us. Well, I digress. You know, that's what happens when you piss off space rhinos. <laughs> and uh, you can't forget also that they did manage to, because I believe that the two brothers are part of the Skyburner faction. I can't confirm or deny that right now. But the Shield Brothers mission, no. I want to say it is, or whatever mission it is, one of the missions, they managed to shoot off a, a distress signal. To the Emperor. Yeah, to the main guy, the Emperor of the Cabal. So we know that's how they rule. They rule their, themselves as a monarchy for sure. Um, well, that makes sense. I mean, I, I, I picture the Cabal as a, a Roman army, which obviously it's it's modeled off that with legionnaires and scions yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, it's it makes a nod to the Roman, <clears throat> and also the way that it's been said that the Roman... Um, the way that it's yeah. been kind of explained that they just kind of roll over things. They don't really move out of the way. They don't really care. They just kind of, well, they'll break your planet if you get in their way. I think it's, I think it was switched. And when we first started playing, he, he made the point like Mars, if you're in patrol on Mars and you look up, you can see the moon and it, and one of the moons that it's orbiting and it's like, it's a lot closer. And actually there's a grimoire card that points out that actually that's the scions, they did that because they were pissed off at, I think it was the Vex, and it just they just completely destroyed it. They were just like, you know what, get out of our way, we're going to pull this in to jack up something. They were doing something, and they, they just were like, yeah, we'll just move this planetary body because that's an easier way than actually, you know, wasting lives on fighting them. And so they, they don't they don't really back down, and in the, in the, they, they scream Roman army every time I... Absolutely. I mean, from the phalanxes to the legion. I mean, yeah, it's 
I need to take a moment to back up in the chat, uh, Justin. <laughs> um, that is not looking. <laughs> that is not a tacoon in the aftermath card. That is clearly Marasov's brother, the crow, because it's his uh-huh. crows that are surrounding him when he comes out of his pod, and you know he is constantly trying to communicate with his sister who is obviously Queen Marisol, and once he realizes he will, he has a trace of light from her or whatever it is that he's gathering from her telepathically, he gets happy about it. So that is the Queen's brother, not a tycoon. Confirmed. Yes, I'm reading that right now. Yes, sir. It's hard to try to slip these things underneath you and be... And be uh... And be uh, accurate at the same time. I went back to the chat. I waited. I tried to wait for Blue to finish everything. <laughs> I saw the chat going down, and I was like, "No, no, Justin needs to have this. This has to happen." Yes, Josh. The the fact check hammer playing real hard. Absolutely. I w- I will not let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> this will not stand. <laughs> I'm trying to look up Grimoire on Ishtar-Collective.com because that is a great place. That's where I read a lot more of my Grimoire. Let's not send people in the wrong direction here. Yeah, no, I'm not. Um, yeah, it's kind of firing. I was, that was hip fire. That wasn't focus fire. That's my fault. <laughs> nice. Nice. I think you're just trying to make sure I was on my toes, which touche, you got away with it for a minute, but. Well, yeah, I think we uh, got into it as much as we could have. Uh, obviously, Future War Cult is their own deal. We didn't really talk about the economy, but I think everyone pretty much has that down. Well, there's plenty of questions about the economy. Uh, well, I mean, glimmer, was, it's glimmer. I mean, that's basically what everything, everyone that's main currency. To. But stick with the rare currencies. You know, think about this. There's only two people that actually take uh, strange coins or used to take strange coins, but mainly take motes of light, which are described as tiny pieces of the traveler as currency. Zur used to take them. For some reason, he doesn't take them anymore. Don't know if Bungie just took them out for that because, you know, reasons or what have you. But the traveler, I believe, does still or not the traveler, the speaker still takes motes, if I'm not mistaken, for some things. And all of year one, those are the only two entities that would actually take either strange coins or motes of light for payment for something. And when you look at the fact that the description of the motes is pieces of the traveler, I guess it would be obvious reasons that a speaker would want them, you know, to rebuild the traveler. But why the hell did Zer want them? Why do the nine want motes of light? What, what's the message there? Why do they want do they want to stop the traveler from being built, or do they just want to make sure that it's going to be built if, when and if we need it? And and, jo- and Josh has a good point. You know, it, the the currencies that existed before the legendary marks they they did make sense, but I think you know just outside of the game and in, in real life, it was if they continued down that arc, it was going to get way too complicated way too fast because as they introduced more content they were going to have to introduce a currency specifically for each content and it would just become it you would have a menu that was you would have a menu screen of just currency at, at some point because well, of that that's that's what they were trying to do in year one though you well know? that's definitely what it felt like it felt like they were they were deliberately introducing currency for you know for each exactly specific thing what they were doing 
wasn't for the game all around, you had uh, originally you had the good old classics, which if nobody has watched the badass gaming video for year one, God. I highly oh, recommend it. Oh my it. gosh, that thing is that, amazing. That video killed me, dude. I loved it to death. But what they didn't cover is the fact that in the beginning of year one, Vanilla Destiny, you know, day one players know the struggle. Having to, you know, they didn't nail it on the head with the fact that you actually had to farm all of your uh, materials. You couldn't just buy them with marks. What they didn't cover is scablands, that. Scablands. Scablands. <laughs> <laughs> the struggle was real. Oh. We'll leave it at that. Then you had when Protozen came out, they introduced commendations. You needed Vanguard commendations to buy a Vanguard gear. <sighs> you needed commendations to buy crucible and then you had the house of wolves where commendations no longer mattered all of the sudden and uh the big thing to get was etheric light because that is what would get any of your glorious weapons god i miss you fate bringer it would bring any of them up to the current light level at the end of year one r.i.p fate bringer prayed its revenge word of Crota. Black Hammer, yes, the original Black Hammer, not this they have going on now with it comes out of your ammo reserve, but the real Black Hammer. Um, it was amazing. Though the White Nail yeah. perk was a little the, the bit The original White Nail perk, I can understand turning that into an exotic. Yeah, you know, fine. It was a little oh, over Icebreaker. Icebreaker. <laughs> R.I.P. Icebreaker, dude. I remember I wanted one of those so freaking bad. You're going to hate I me. That was my first exotic. Oh, I'm hanging up now. (laughs) (laughs) That that ruined my taste for exotics after that. (laughs) I got mine right as the Dark Below came out, and I was so thrilled when I finally got my first icebreaker. And then, of course, a few weeks later, Sir sells it like, oh, who gives a damn what the hell you earn? Now everybody can buy him. <laughs> That's what happened with Gallahorn on me. I got it as a nightfall, and then a week later, he's dropping it. I was like, I had, you know what? I don't care. Three of them by I the had. end of December, and I was so happy. I'd actually had me and uh, one of my raid team members breaking 10 Gs. He did end up beating me in the race to who could get more Gallahorns. He beat me 9-7, to seven, and... I would love to give any of them out, you know, instead of trying to hold on to them. You know, these year two players will never understand all that. They'll never know the awesomeness that was Gallahorn. I don't think that Sleeper Simulate quite makes that cut like Gallahorn did, which I I guess that's good reason because people that still depend on LFG, God bless your souls, you know, (laughs) during year one, I guess it was all... If you don't have a Gallahorn, you can't join. Now it's just, you know, they can judge it by your light level, maybe your Grimoire score, but that's about it. They can't judge it so by... Which which your... actually kind of makes more sense, but still is... I don't I don't use LFG. <clears throat> I don't need a pot shot we have. We actually did a count today. We have 290 people uh, in our group. That doesn't include, you know, clan tech, or that includes clan tag holders. In our original Fox Shot group, as well as Fox Shot too, but it's just you know when you when you have a good clan, there's no point in LFG. If for some reason you can't find people within your own individual clan when it comes to especially DOD, you know you have great guys out there in X1 Light, uh, DODF, Leroy Jenkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
You know, Legion, of course, has some good guys in it. I mean, the the, the whole Dads of Destiny is, as a plan, really great bunch of dudes. and Can't say a single bad thing about the group as a whole. You know, um, we have we have a couple of assholes over in Foxtrot ourselves, but, you know, you're, you're going to have one or two of them. Well, yeah, but you know what you're getting into when you get into a Foxtrot group. <laughs> it's, a, it's a dangerous place to be. I mean, uh, you got to be pretty brave to be in the Foxtrot, which, you know, still great guys. Love them to death. Just, Just, I'm, I'm pretty convinced we're definitely the gutter of the DOD. <laughs> I think we had this. <laughs> okay, so before we go down that path... So okay, do you guys you guys want to go ahead and do your own shout, shout outs, and then I'll I'll just wrap it up with a big shout out for everybody. Um, sure, I'll go ahead. I'll give a big shout out first off to uh, Douglas L. Holman on Twitter. You know this dude is great. He's a fantastic follower to have on Twitter. Um, his wife is dealing with so many medical problems right now. They have a GoFundMe going on. If you're not following him or he's not following you, I suggest you get in touch with this guy because, I mean, he, he's great at retweeting, at favoriting, at getting in the middle of the conversation and, you know, not doing it in a ass way, but, you know, just getting involved in conversation and making sure you know he's there and, you know, putting in great ideas. So big shout out, Doug. Uh, Douglas, you know, nothing but love for your brother. I hope this is your wife there. Uh, I hope she heals she feels better and i hope you get plenty of support you know because we you know my family personally a lot about how medical expenses can stack up financial issues can get in the way of a lot of things and you know you hate to see that happen to a good person shout out to damol drag lives don't matter <laughs> i smashed quite a few of them <laughs> Today, actually, before I jumped into the chat, big shout out to Mr. Blue here, of course, for actually convincing me to do this. I don't know how the hell you did that. Magic. Base magic. (laughs) But, you know, it's actually pretty fun doing this. Look forward to doing it, uh, you know, every week or as long as you guys put up with me. Shout out to Safe Gamers, of course, because, you know, they're awesome. They're an awesome plan for groups of all ages. They're full of good people with good ideas as well. Same thing with Dames of Destiny. Shout out to them. Bell Bunny, uh, Ballista Kitty, uh, throughout good ideas throughout the chat. Gave us ideas that, uh, you know, we end up running with. Yeah, I am taking your spotlight, Justin. Do something about it. Do something about it. Go ahead. <laughs> and uh, let's see, anybody else? Of course, I want to throw a shout out to Fox Shop before I go because that's. And I do want to throw a shout out to Charlie as well, because I did start out in Dads of Destiny, Charlie, on the 360. But, uh, you know, of course, I ended up migrating over to Foxtrot, where that's that's my home. You know, we belong in the gutter, which works for me. I'd like to shout out to uh, Steeman Willie Beeman for that excellent <laughs> shout out. The shout out train has left the station. <laughs> I'd like to give a big shout out to the Traveler. Through him, all things are possible. <laughs> Shadow White Crew, um, all my boys, Fraggle, Manbag, The Twins, Stadelio, all DOD, uh, Safe Gamers, Dames that have uh, supported us and supported the lore chat in general. Even if you just pop in there and just read the thing or contribute in any way, 
I really do appreciate it. It's It's been a real fun way to take my mind off of some of the everyday things you'd like to take your mind off of. So I uh, really do appreciate that. And uh, big shout out to Blue and all my boys over in Steam Meme. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bad idea. Let's keep so it gonna, going. You're going to summon the scroat. Don't summon the scroat. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, don't anger the scroat. Um, <laughs> you mean Papa? But yeah, yeah. So keep it coming. Keep it coming. We'll keep we'll keep the rambling coming. Yeah. Uh, you know, give it over to you, Blue. No, yeah, and like like they said, we. I just want to give a quick heads up to everybody. If you have not listened to a couple podcasts, you know, obviously there's Guardian Radio, which Bell is a co-host on. They do an excellent job on um, kind of keeping up on the news and everything like that. And they're an excellent podcast to do that. Um, X-Ray Dragon, um, and I'm drawing a blank now that I'm talking. They are, yeah, they are amazing. Uh, they are really, really good at delving into some of the different stuffs that we, we are kind of more of a focused, well, we try to be more focused and we kind of try to go into more depth. We also only do it once a week. Um, they're, they kind of do it sporadically and they actually, they have a, they have a very interesting format. If you haven't had a chance to listen to them there, I think they just launched their fourth full episode. There's actually about six or seven, uh, podcasts, but they are amazing when it comes to the destiny lore. Um, and then of course, like they, like Justin and Willie have already said, the dames and safe gamers and especially the DOD, um, which, you know, pretty much without all those groups, we probably wouldn't even be here. Um, we wouldn't even know each other, especially the DOD. But the safe gamers is a group that, you know, Willie kind of spoke towards the dames also great, great group. And like everyone before me has said, this is a cross-community chat. We try to pull in everybody regardless of what community they're in because basically it's it doesn't matter. As long as you can have a somewhat mature conversation that is con- you know contributing to the furthering of the, the conversation that you're in, we're willing to deal with any community. We don't care. We don't worry about it. It doesn't matter to us at all. That was the entire point was to bring different people from different places into the same room to see what exactly we can figure out with everything that we enjoy here so that's pretty much it now we need to give a shout out to uh big rev cook here oh yeah rev is yeah he's we cannot not shout out to rev cook here great guy rev we love you dude thanks for being in here and participating in the chat really means a lot to me and I'm sure it means a lot to the other guys as well that you're here and that, that you're being involved. And, you know, I'm sure we all appreciate it. Yeah. And, you know, uh, the other, and the, we all appreciate the fact that you can't post gifts. Also, I'm going to throw that up. And Josh. Yeah. Josh, thanks for showing up. Yes, I mean, Josh. And everybody else. I mean, I have, I think I'm showing about seven or eight different people in the chat. You know, obviously there's a couple, there's us, but then there's, that means that there's a couple more. And, you know, the more people that show up, the obviously the more that, we can, you know, interact with you guys, and we love hearing the questions. The other thing is, if you have any feedback, I know uh, Kashin was bouncing around there somewhere, giving us volume feedback. But if you have any feedback, shoot us an email. I'll get an email out right now. Just shoot it to my gamertag at Gmail, which is just bluecrew86 at gmail.com. We'll probably be getting something set up for our group sometime soon when I finally get a layout formalized um do want to say that if any of you guys also want to join us as a guest in the chat i'm sure these guys won't be opposed to it it would always be great to hear a new voice you know each week 
you know, especially if you feel you know a lot about the lore. I mean, obviously, we don't always get along on all of it. You know, we have our differences on what we think of some things because Bungie doesn't want to just tell us the story. Exactly, Justin. Lore <laughs> nerds unite. You know, if you're a lore nerd, we want you in here. Feel free to come in here, discuss with us. I feel like I'm the biggest nerd of all, but at the same time, fun to do this, you know. Fun. And I'm sure you'll have fun, too, if you want to try to get in here. Email Blue. He'll be the one to work all these things out because I'm just here to talk and annoy people. Uh, I, I will go ahead and say that, you know, it, it does seem like, you know, we have a great time on here. and Definitely look forward to seeing if the thing will grow. Or I guess the, the better wording would be how it's going to grow. All right. Once again, thanks for joining everybody that joined. Great time. And uh, look forward to seeing you next week when we discuss the almighty Saint-14. One of the greatest Titans, which is one of the greatest classes to be in Destiny. (sighs) We're going to fight again, aren't we?